for joining us this week here on the Sports Collusion Radio Show. I am EJ Carr, that Rainmaker guy, and I'm getting a face from the lovely Lisa over here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good morning, everybody. We're just saying hello. The face is a big smile yeah, because you're so energetic. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we have fun around here. And uh, we got a big show today. It's just cool. Uh, you get to intertwine baseball with disco. I mean, how much better does it Yeah, where, where do you say that? Where yeah. do you say that except on uh, sports pool? I know, show? right? <laughs> you know, but um, disco's not dead today because today we're going to revive it. <laughs> and we're going to talk to uh, <laughs> we're gonna talk to Steve Dahl, who's the author of oh, Disco man. Demolition, The Night Disco Died. And I was only, I was thinking I was 14. It was 1979. Yeah. Uh, so I was 14 when this happened, um, but at a Chicago White Sox baseball game, there was a promotion that was supposed to be come out because Disco sucks. We're going to blow Disco <laughs> records off, okay? And it was supposed to be this in-between promotion uh, for the doubleheader. And things go in a oh. unbelievably different turn, uh, oh. and nobody expected this. And please, whatever you do, you have to stay tuned and listen to this interview because the book is great. And I I, I don't know, man. I mean, Disco sucks. Disco might be dead. Who knows? He might have killed it that night is what the book says. But, you know, we're going to talk about this because it didn't just have an impact on on. The game. I mean, yeah. the the next the next game yeah, got canceled. The second game, yeah. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the field was on fire. Field was on fire. Something else happened the next day, which we'll talk about yeah, later. Yeah, about yeah. the doubleheader. Yeah. I have stuff to play when there's no home plate and there's no bases and there's no. Yep. <laughs> and then on top of that, um, you know, in Steve's book, we're going to talk to him because Dennis DeYoung from Six has something yeah. to do with this. Pretty great. Yeah, it, it's it's <laughs> such a crazy, crazy, crazy story. It it's amazing. It comes out now. I mean, this yeah. happened in 1979, and, and now the book is getting out there. Like, what, yeah, what, what, how do you actually recall half the stuff that goes on? I mean, you talked about how, how most of the crowd was completely stoned. I'm going to assume that, you know, who knows who else is in, in this media was stoned or drunk. I, he even mentioned he was completely hammered before the game even started. I mean, yep. you know, they went to the pregame dinner, and he said, oh, I was drunker than a skunk at that point. <laughs> yeah. so he's out there just hammered in his little uh, – yeah, we're going to talk more about that because I, like you just said, the book just came out, and I'd like to know why. Yeah. Only because, and I, I'm, I know we're going to re- we're repeating things now, we're going to ask them about later. Yeah. But one of the things that I saw in the book was that his wife describes him as very shy, which none of this yeah. really kind of shows that, yeah. and yet he's shy. Why come back into the spotlight? <laughs> why bring this all back up again? So... Um, so, yeah, so Steve is our guest for today, and we're going to talk about his book, Disco Demolition, The Night Disco Died. In the meantime, though, there is a lot yeah. of sports going on right yeah. now. Are you ready for some football? Oh, yeah, football, too, yeah. Baseball, is, uh, you know, only about, wow, 16 or 17 games left in everybody's uh, regular season here. Of course, you have Mets are battling for a spot. The Yankees are battling for a spot. The American League East right now is crazy. 
four games separate Boston, Baltimore, Toronto, and the Yankees. I mean, we could see all three wild cards or both wild card spots in the division was division winner come out of the American League East. And I mean, I don't laugh at me because I went division Yankees. Listen, listen. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, yeah, but it's crazy. Uh, Cleveland's already running away with uh, the American League Central. Uh, Texas is certainly running away with the American League West. Yeah, and then there's your division. Uh, you missed yeah, it. Yeah, you, you missed it. Ten games back out, but at least you're in the you're in the hunt for the wild card. You and San Francisco are completely right there. I mean, yeah, how do you feel about it? I am so impressed. Even though they lost yesterday, yeah, I'm actually, I mean, in their last ten games, they've won seven. They've moved from the bottom of the wild card standings to second place, and they're only a half game back at San Francisco. And you're only a half actually, a game up on St. Louis, too. So right. You three spazzing for those two spots. Yeah. We are. We are. Um, San Francisco's lost three games in a row, though. Yeah. So, uh, you know, the Mets have – I still have – they'd have a pretty good shot at getting this wild card spot. And I've just been really impressed with, you know, what's been going on. They still obviously have some things in the OE time. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, it's going to be a really, really close race down to the wire. It's be yeah. interesting to see what they do. Yeah, it was just kind of changed out to see uh, Wally Beckman get taken out from the Mets. And, uh, of course, he's had a, quite a career as a player and a coach over there. And to see Wally Beckman, the way that all went down, I was just like, why? Are they treating Wally Backman like that? I mean, I thought he was somebody who was going to take over for Derek Collins at some point, and he just feels completely disrespected over all the stuff that he's done with this organization. He wants, he, he, you know, he wants to be a big part of the Mets' future, and they said, well, you're not going to be a part of this future right now, so you're going to have to either sit and wait or – and he was like, you know what, the hell with you people. I'm not going to just sit here and wait. I, I, you know what, I have more to do in my life than sit here and coach AAA baseball teams, so if you don't have anything for me. I'm out of here. Well, and, and I, I don't blame him <laughs> yeah. for doing that because if, yeah. if he really does feel like he's not going to be going anywhere, then it is time to get out and find out yeah. if you have a place in another team. Yeah. Even though, you know, the That's Mets near and dear to his heart, it's going to be hard. Like, yeah, well, we back then. Yeah, we remember you when you played for the Mets, but we don't really care about you. So. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll <laughs> see what happens. And uh, he spoke about the NFL, of course, the Battle of New York tonight. with Buffalo and the New York Jets. And was even lying there. I'm taking the Jets tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> the Jets are so much better than the Buffalo Bills. You're going to tell me the Jets and there's no spread at all? I don't care if the game's in Buffalo or not. You know, this is not uh, – it, it's still September here. You know, it's not like December in Buffalo. The Jets can certainly walk in there. The Jets are so much more talented than Buffalo. I'm sorry. So uh, feel free to put the Jets on your board, people. Um, yeah, another big weekend, of course. And uh, you're the – look at you. Get to watch the Vikings and the Packers on ESPN Sunday Night Football. Go Pack go. That's right. A pretty nice win for you guys to open the season. Yeah. Oh my God! Yeah. Already, yeah. already, my heart is <laughs> with this team. Yeah. So I posted a cool picture of her because we got to watch the, the tail end of the game. At least sitting here with her cheese head on, watching the rest of the backer game. And no, no, no. Let me explain this. Let me explain this. You, I didn't just have my cheese head on. Okay, there's a little story behind this because. I didn't get the game in New York. We weren't watching the game. I was watching it on TV with the little game cast and watched the little characters go by on the screen to see what they were doing. And that was really all we had in New York. So the game on TV ended, and they shot over to the Packers game, and we're down to the last couple seconds. And EJ comes running in from the bedroom with my cheese head, shoves it on my head to make sure that I had that cheese head on for that last play of the game and took full credit for the Packers winning the Packers winning the game. 
And then when we were watching the end of it, he snagged some photos of me online with yep. Aaron Rodgers in the background. Yeah, yeah. Yep, that was very cool. Very cool. <laughs> and I also want to remind you guys that speaking of the Packers, we've been talking about this for quite a long time now, but in about three weeks, we're going to be sitting in Lambeau yeah. Field, Giants versus Packers. Oh, and we actually, uh, we're going to be heading to the Hall of Fame that they have out there. The Packers Hall of Fame. Packers Hall of Fame. Yeah. I actually want to give a shout out to Green Bay Packers Convention Bureau because they did provide us they some did. complimentary tickets they did. to go to the uh, Hall of Fame. Hello, so, yeah. <laughs> we, are, we are looking forward to that, and they gave yeah. us a couple of uh, trolley tickets to our trolley tickets yeah. as well, so we're looking forward to that. Yeah. And we don't know where our seats are yet, but yeah. we're definitely end zone. We don't care. We don't care. I'm in the building. We're <laughs> yeah. going to be in the building. Oh, we're not out south. Yep. Not south. Nope. Yeah. Definitely. And I think it's like seats rows 26 to 50 in the end zone. So yeah. pretty close. Yeah, we're gonna be, that's pretty decent seats. Definitely excited about that. And, uh, of course, tune into the Major League Fantasy Sports Radio Show this weekend. Uh, Corey and I will be, uh, I think we have Andy Masuka on the list this week, if I remember correctly. And, uh, yeah, we do our breakdown every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. on the Major League Fantasy Sports Radio Show now. And, uh, of course, we did that here for two years. It's our third season now, and now we're over at MLFS. So check us out over there. You can check out our my Maker uh, Twitter feed. Of the, Kid of Maker. the Giants and the Saints are playing again this weekend. <laughs> oh, does anybody remember what happened last year when those two got together when hundred and something points? And oh my God, that was outrageous. So yeah, <laughs> and uh, college football, of course, is this weekend as well. Uh, it starts tonight. Cincinnati is going to be hosting Houston tonight. Tomorrow there's a few games: Utah State, Arkansas State, UT San Antonio, Arizona State, Rice and Baylor. Expecting some points there. Baylor's probably going to wipe them out. Uh, and of course, tune in for Eric and my. Uh, Friday night, college football throwdown. We uh, we hand out some plays and predictions and all that kind of stuff. We did our first show last week. I know I did pretty well myself. I think I ended up six and two or something like that. And uh, we give out plays and advice. Yeah, you know. And uh, I thought when you said you were doing, you did pretty well. I thought you were talking about being a podcaster. Later. Yeah, like I did pretty well as a podcaster. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, we have fun. We have, we have fun with that. Uh, yeah, there's some big games, of course, this weekend around the, the landscape of college football. And, uh, is interested to see what headgear Lee Corso puts on his head. And, uh, yeah, we have fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that, that stuff is so much fun. And the course soccer, oh my goodness, here we go. Serie B and Serie A this weekend, Italy for me. Anybody who knows and follows me there, I missed one pick last weekend in both leagues combined. Yeah, that's how I roll around here, kids. <laughs> hey man, if you if you follow Italian football, and you don't want you don't know what the rainmaker is on this weekend. You're going in blind. Too bad. So yeah, <laughs> and that's hey, listen. If you're interested in following my picks and getting my picks, just just send me a tweet, EJ the rainmaker, and say where where can I find your picks, man? I'd love to know what you're on. Yeah, you damn well better know what I'm on. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, that's really about it for me though. That's uh, mm-hmm. to the Cosmos. I'll be at uh, on Saturday. I'll be at the Cosmos game and. Ah, New York Cosmos and Edmonton. There's only three Cosmos home games left this year. So, and I know we're going to miss that uh, second one because we're going to be in Green Bay that week. So that's going to hurt. Yeah, I'm only going to be able to make one or two more Cosmos games this year. Man, what a fun year we had. Uh, we had Ruben Bobert come on the show this week. He had the assist that uh, got the one one nothing win for the Cosmos this past weekend over Minnesota. It's great to have him on. And, uh, yeah, it's just it's all just fun stuff for me. I, you know, it's all good. <laughs> good. <laughs> I know that you were talking about, you know, it, it people know you, then they know that it's 
uh, you're all about football. For me, it's all about film and movies yep. and all this other stuff. Um, but I like to combine the film and movies and TV with our sports coverage. Yep. And I have a great story uh, that I wanted to share with people because, especially if you're in the New York area, um, you're giving me the microphone. It's my turn to talk. <laughs> and uh, if you're in the New York area, if you're not, there is going to be a way for you to watch this. But if you're in the New York area tomorrow, which is uh, September 16th, Eric Gelber, who's an extreme ultra marathoner, is making his third and final attempt at running 33 laps in Central Park. Now, 33 laps is not 33 miles. 33 laps um, over the course of a couple of days it will end up being 200 miles that he will run. Uh, to raise money for the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation. He's tried this before. I believe he's gotten up to about 173 miles. And he's doing this, a friend of his, uh, um, you know, a a patient, I I guess, also suffered from uh, multiple myeloma. And um, so he is doing that. And I'm going to be posting this on our Sports Palooza Twitter feed so that you can see the trailer for his um, journey. And then on top of that, if you don't know the Tribeca Film Festival, obviously it's a film festival, but they also, because it's the weekend of the Paralympics, um, the Tribeca Film Festival is working with a lot of um, filmmakers to get the stories of the um, athletes out there. So I just want to give you a couple of examples of the, of the little mini films you're going to see that we're going to post on uh, Sports Blues' website. But just to give you an idea, for example, uh, Jerome Avery, this is a 10-minute video. Um, he's the dive runner for David Brown. David Brown is the fastest completely blind sprinter in the world. And they are joined together by four inches of rope, and right now they're representing Team USA as they run side-by-side for Paralympic gold in Rio. Wow. So you're going to see a little bit of that um, story uh, in one of the links. Wow. And the other story is uh, Bethany Zumo. She's now competing for the U.S. Women's Paralympic Sitting Volleyball Team in Rio. And her story is she was only uh, born with a partially developed leg and another fully developed leg. Mm -hmm. And she's been into sports since she was younger. Um, And, you know, finally the other other one was uh, Backbone. And that is when spinal injuries cut short Caitlin McElroy's Nordic skiing career. She channeled her drive into a new sport, kayaking. Mm. She still has back pain and she wears braces, but you'll see her story. Mm. And I'm bringing this up because we, you and I spend a lot of time talking about the Olympics. And I want people to understand that the Paralympics are going on right now. We should be supporting our Paralympians. Mm-hmm. Their stories are unbelievable. They are so courageous and so, so strong. And I will put every single one of these links from the Tribeca Film Festival on our Sports Palooza page yeah. after the show. Please watch them. Please support them. Yeah. Retweet them. Get their stories out there. Do whatever yeah. we need to do to spread the word that these guys deserve exactly the mm-hmm. same amount of attention that we yeah. gave the Olympians. Why this is not Thumbs spread up. all over TV, I don't know. Yeah, it should be bigger. Sure it's all funding and yeah, stuff like that. Uh, for all the people out there who tell you you can't. Right. These are all the people that say, the hell I can't. Right. I love that stuff. Exactly. And the the interesting thing is, you know, I've mentioned it a couple of times on this show. I mean, I have a metal rod on my back, and that does not make me on their level. But at the same time, when I was growing up, um, I wanted to play softball. 
I wanted to play softball in high school. I wanted to continue to play softball in college. I saw myself going far, and without kind of tooting my own horn, I was good, okay? And then along comes this surgery that I have to have that sidelines me for about two and a half years before I can even get back into being physically fit again. And, um, you know, at that point, I was past the point where I could really play in high school um, and and be competitive enough to to go into college. So I know what it's like to come back from something like that, um, but these guys take it so much further, and, you know, their, their stories are more intense, and I really wish I could have been that. I really wish I could have been, right. you know, doing what they do. No um, so that's why it's maybe it's a little more sensitive to me. Yeah. So, um, you know, let's, I, like I said, again, I will post this on, on yeah. our Sports Palooza page. In the meantime, though, uh, we're going to turn our attention to the book that we gave a lot of attention to at the top of this hour, and that is Disco Demolition, The Night Disco Died. And I am hoping <laughs> that author Steve Dahl is on the phone with us right now. Steve, is that you? I'm here. Can you hear me? Nice. We can hear you just fine, Steve. How are you doing today, my friend? What's happening? I'm good, everybody. I just got my car EPA uh, emissions tested so I can get my sticker. So- yep. An exciting yeah, life lead I lead exci- here. You lead an exciting life. Yeah, you lead that. That's a, that's a massive excitement today, Steve. <laughs> and then, and then after I'm done talking to you, I'm going to go across the street and get a hot dog. So, nice man. Live nice man. Are you going to? Are you going to go out and hang out in your fucking army outfit today, or what's going on with that, man? <laughs> no. My uh, my fucking army outfit is my helmet's actually at the uh, Major League Ball Hall of Fame on display. The helmet from Disco Demolition, oh, wow. and yeah, and somebody stole the jacket from me at a Fog Hat concert back in 1979. So no way, man! So you don't even have that thing anymore. Oh, yeah. no, I I was it was the one year anniversary, so it was 1980, and um, I like uh, was at a the station that I was working on the Loop uh, was presenting Fog Hat, a Fog Hat concert at the Amphitheater in Chicago. And I came out before Fog Hat and did. Uh, um, I had a song, "Do You Think I'm Disco," which was a, yep. a parody of Rod Stewart's "Do You Rod Think Stewart. I'm Sexy." Yeah. And uh, I had a, a mannequin dressed as Donna Summer, and I, 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 you know, I was into <laughs> smashing things back then. So I smashed it, and I didn't know that the mannequin was made out of glass. And so oh. at one point in the song, there's a refrain where it turns from disco into rock and roll, and I. I dropped to my knees during that, you know, it's like part of the theatrics. And I I dropped down on two pieces of glass, which, uh, you know, lacerated my, my, my knees and I had to go get, when I went, they took me backstage. And when the nurse was working on me, she took off my jacket and somebody ripped it off. So, Oh my God. That's what I get for being an asshole. Right. That's That's terrible. Yeah. Obviously. No doubt, man. <laughs> hey, obviously, for, for anybody out there, obviously, we don't we don't curse around here too much. But the whole reason we're doing it is because Steve in this book mentioned at least twenty five times. There I am standing there in this fucking army outfit, and I mean, you said it so many times, man. I had to bring it up. I, you know, we we don't normally do that, but I I, I had to do it today, man. That's just great stuff. I, you did that a ton uh, in the book, Steve. Here I am in this army outfit. Here I am in this army outfit. Like no way. <laughs> Yeah, it's either it's either the army outfit or the uh, or a Hawaiian shirt for me back in those days. So <laughs> neither of them really you great know, looks. 
No doubt. Um, my my question for you is this: because in your book, your wife describes you as shy and introverted, quiet. Why, after all these years, the attention kind of back on this event and and on yourself with this book? Like, why did you decide to tell this story? Well, uh, you know, I guess I just wanted to have, uh, you know, my kids are grown now. I've I've got six grandkids on the ground and one ready to drop. And, uh, uh, (laughs) those pictures have been around forever, but there's really been no story that accompanies the, you know, that, you know, there's no narrative. And I guess I just wanted a permanent record of that from my, my point of view. And especially because as we get farther and farther away from the event or further, I guess, although I am also farther from it, but further, um, (laughs) it's, it gets gets written about by people who weren't even born back when it happened and they kind of reframe it with today in today's politically correct environment and then it gets you know called racist and homophobic which it definitely was not so no. i guess no. i just wanted to have a permanent record of the fact that it was not and you can still think of that if you want but you weren't even born yet and you don't know any of the things that were hap- happening in terms of the pop culture in this country prior to it uh leading up to it and uh, and you know even really after it so it's to to relabel it as homophobic and racist is just wrong so yeah yeah you talk about I, I Richard just wanted Lewis. to get that on he the made... record no yeah you mentioned Richard, Richard Lewis in your book for making those similar comments like I just turned to Lisa. And I was like, "What the hell is Richard Lewis chiming in about this for? Who the hell is Richard Lewis anyway? Like, who, who is Richard Lewis, and why does he even matter, man? I, ridiculous. He has he has no right even talking, man. That guy's a complete moron. But um, anyway, you know, I, I love the fact that you're talking about like, some of the quotes in your book, man. Luckily, all the fans were stoned. I mean, if they were drunk, then it would have been a riot. But since everybody was stoned, it was okay, man. I, I love that quote, Steve. That's great. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty mellow, you know. Every they, I think they ate up uh, all the food in the place and drank yeah, all the man. beer and uh, just kind of wandered out onto the. <laughs> Have you gotten accused you know? of looking like meatloaf on the cover of the, of the book yet, man? <laughs> uh, no, but uh, thanks. I actually. Oh, man, I, I honestly when, when we. If people want to, it's on YouTube somewhere. But I was on the Tomorrow Show with Tom Snyder. After that, with meatloaf. Uh, just coincidentally, and wow. um, uh, and I was dressed in my fucking army outfit, and uh, and Tom Snyder uh, said tonight on the show we have meatball and standall. So that was a, that was an an inauspicious beginning to the show. But so yeah, I have actually logged some time with meat meatloaf. But come on, I mean at least a, a young handsome meatloaf. Right, no doubt, man. I mean, yeah, I, I wasn't really trying to trying to say, say, say it as a bad thing, man. I'm not I'm obviously, me love stuff. The best-looking guy in the world. We all know that. <laughs> I'm not offended. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, cool, man. I, I definitely didn't mean to offend you. <laughs> On the specifics of the event, though, I, I, I have a question, though, because um, the game, you know, when, when all of this happened in, the, in between the, the doubleheader, um, they obviously had to not play the second game, but the next day they come back and have to forfeit the first game. Why? I didn't understand that. Like, why couldn't the first game stay as it was? Why did they have to come back and forfeit that? The, the first game of the doubleheader? 
Yeah, from what I read, or maybe I misunderstood it. Um, you know, I thought they just I had I heard that they had to come back and forfeit the first game, or was it just the second game? It was just the second game. Because okay. I know my record with my record with the White Sox is zero and one, and my record with the Tigers is one and zero. So it, <laughs> it was just the second game, but they they had a lot of trouble in the following weeks. You know, uh, keeping the the field in a in a playable condition, but a lot of that, as mm-hmm. is mentioned in the book, was because they did a, a series of rock concerts there, and that was before apparently before they invented plywood, so they didn't have anything down on the field for the rock concerts. So they they kind of really chewed up the field more more so than disco demolition. Yeah, yeah, but, that's another great point. Disco, disco, disco demolition, disco demolition works looks worse actually because you know the fires and all. So. Yeah, it does look bad, man. We, we watched the, the yeah. ESPN video for that too. But in your book, you have Harry Casey here. He is uh, the original singer from the Casey and the Sunshine Band. You know, he, even he mentioned everyone thought it was a worldwide event, even though it actually only happened in one stadium and one city in Chicago. And people were thinking like this was going on all over the country, even though it only happened in one stadium, Steve. Yeah, well, a lot. You know, I don't know if either of you ever ever have ever worked in radio, but. It's a bit of a copycat industry. I guess podcasting could be that could be designated as that as well. But uh, a lot of because we were having success, you know, blowing up disco records and making fun of disco, which really all just kind of grew out of me being fired when a station changed format to disco. Uh, a lot of stations around the country started kind of doing the same thing. So there was a lot of talk about it on the air. But um, as far as events go, I mean, I think that was really that was the the only. That was the only one that was, that was you know, that, that big. So, yeah, and that you was know, by accident, right? By mistake. Yeah, I didn't even That's want to go. Good. Right. <laughs> it's pretty great, man. You know, obviously, you started the Rude Awakening show in 1978, man. That was your own show, and you and Gary Meyer were actually only together for a few months before you decided, you know what, let's do this disco demolition thing. And you guys ended up lasting for 15 years, obviously, from until 1993. You two were together. You guys, is he still around? You two even speak anymore? I mean, I know I saw you guys were actually. Everyone wanted you two to get together and have, kind of have a reunion. Like what? Like do you two even speak anymore? Uh, yeah, we do. We do. He's he's currently just podcasting as well. Um, I mean, I'm on the radio and podcasting, but he's doing a podcast. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, I don't. Uh, he, I'm I'm cool with him. Uh, I, I'd be I'd be happy to do you know do some stuff with him. I, what I'd love is for them to hire him uh, to work on WLSAM, which is where I'm at now, and maybe uh, do a shift before mine or after mine, and we could uh, cross over and do some stuff. Because I've got a pretty good show now with a couple of, of new uh, new guys. But, um, yeah, I mean, we did a lot of great stuff together, and I don't have – I harbor no ill will. Um, but I'm not sure. You'd have to talk to him about how he feels about me. But I'm I'm up for anything, man. I, you know, I'm, I don't care. I'm, and I'm, you're still I'm here, right? too old to hold a grudge. And you're still doing all this podcasting stuff out there. Where can people find your, your podcast stuff? Well, the podcast is at doll.com. Um, doll.com. You can, you can hear a free sample there. It's, we, we charge a subscription fee, but we have, we've got a, you know, like a, a network of seven different shows on it. And okay. um, it's nine ninety nine a month. And we, I do a show every day, a ninety-minute show every day with uh, with Doc Julen and Brenda Greeley, my two partners. 
and that's at doll.com. Or you can just search it in the iTunes store. Just search for Steve Doll Podcast, and the sample will come up. And then if you happen to be in the Chicago area, um, I'm on WLS AM 890 every afternoon from 2 to 6. Nice, man. Well, that, you know, obviously that's what I'm doing. That's cool, Steve. You know, obviously, you're on the field for all this stuff, and you didn't know what was going on in the booth and all until later, obviously. And uh, you know, when you hear Jimmy Pearsall and Harry Carey and all those guys, absolutely, oh my God, Steve, they were pissed off. I mean, they were just like, "This is not the way baseball's supposed to be played." Who, whoever came up with this, is the biggest idiot in the world. Obviously, Bill Beck was a maniac, man. He was the king of all the craziness in Chicago, and obviously, you know, you have Mike there too, but. Uh, Man, Jimmy right. Pearsall, I, what, what was your reaction when Jim, Jimmy Pearsall was just like, you people are ruining our sport right now? I mean, what did you think when you saw that a- afterwards? Well, um, you know, it's Jimmy Pearsall's Jimmy Pearsall. Uh, Harry Carey, I think, uh, you know, I mean, I know because, I mean, I knew Harry pretty well. Um, he, he thought, I think he thought it was because um, <laughs> there wasn't much else going on uh, on the south side that, you know, in 1979, baseball-wise. Yeah. Um, but Jimmy Pearsall, yeah, he was uh, – he, he uh, called them fans of far out who follow a jerk and stuff like that. But he, he said – at one point on the, on the radio, he goes, I'd rather be swimming. I'm like, what does that mean? So he's uh, – you know, I, I guess I, in, a, in a weird way, it's, I, it's kind of a badge of honor to be, to be that reviled by Jimmy Pearsall who, you know, is – I, I don't – he's – that night – he was wearing a shirt that said outpatient on it. So, and you know, I don't know if you've seen fear strikes out, but he's got some issues of his own. <laughs> no doubt. Just saying. Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk about Dennis Young too, obviously from sticks. And uh, he pretty much became your whipping boy, man. Tell us a little bit about that. Cause that's a great story too. <laughs> well, um, uh, because it wasn't racist or homophobic, I was just blowing up stuff. I didn't like, I blew up uh, babe. And Dennis, that's when Sticks was really, really, you know, kind of just peaking or, you know, yeah. really starting to climb up the charts. And I blew up Babe and Dennis uh, living in Chicago. I don't know that he heard it, but he heard about it. And he was very unhappy about that. And as you as you could read in the book, he's still unhappy about it. But <laughs> again, that's another one of those guys. I don't mind that he hates me. Right. It's kind of fun. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, there are certain people you just don't care about, man. I, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a guy in soccer. I'll just call him Alexi Lalas. Yeah, man. I uh-huh. love throwing him tweets. I love throwing him tweets and throwing him stuff and be like, dude, you are a complete moron. Stop talking. Just stop talking, man. You're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. I love doing stuff like that, Steve. Uh, you know what? There are certain people you don't mind if they don't care for you at all, man. Even with this whole... Um, stuff that's going on with Colin Kaepernick now. I mean, even I called him out without that, too. Like, dude, what are you doing? Who do you think you are being above the game? Like, you know, I, I, I completely feel you, Steve. There are certain people, you don't care if you piss them off or not. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it it, it gives everybody an edge. It keeps everybody sharp. That's right. A little back and forth, you know? <laughs> Steve, in the book you say that, you know, <laughs> after this event, your career skyrocketed, Mike's, actually crashed and he writes I went to Tang Drywall <laughs> and yeah. looking, looking back at your career and, and seeing how this kind of you know was one of the things that kind of catapulted you into you know everybody's um, database and knowing who you are um, did, 
looking back at it, would you do it any other way? Is there, you know, do you have any regrets about how the career went after that and, and what kind of impact this had on you? Uh, well, I wouldn't do anything differently when it comes – really, I don't think I would do anything differently just overall because I've ended up in a good place. Um, but I certainly wouldn't have done anything differently with regards to disco demolition. But um, I got clean and sober about 21 years ago, and uh, I feel uh, I feel maybe uh, – no, you know what? I got to say I'm very happy with – with my life and, you know, the mistakes I've made and the things that I've done to try to, you know, change, change myself to be a better person. So I'm, 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 I'm going to say, no, I don't think I would change anything. I wouldn't either. So, <laughs> you know, it is, it is what it is and it, it gets you to where you are today. So, yeah, I just wondered how, you know, why, number one, why so much later than it actually happened and. uh, you know, putting it together, obviously, you had to go back and, and find all this video footage and everything that you can to put this all together to actually create the book, man. How tough was that to, like, re, you know, recollect that, what, what went on and, you know, what you wanted to make sure got in the book and what you just said, you know, this doesn't need to be in there. You know, obviously, going through all that footage and all this stuff, that had, that had to be a little bit of a chore, Steve. Well, um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's Steve Dahl with Dave Hoekstra and Paul Nackin, so I my whiffing wasn't that tedious. Um <laughs> But Dave did, you know, the, the bulk of the uh, David did the bulk of the interviewing and, and, and writing. Um, okay. But uh, you know, because he's you know he wrote for the Sun Times for years, and he's a good friend. And and uh, I kind of wanted I didn't want people to just accuse me of well, this is just your take on it. I said, dude, just go out and talk to whomever you need to talk to to get a good oral history of what happened that night. Paul Natkin's been a friend for forty years, and he had. He's got those great pictures because he was, you know, on the Jeep on the field. So, um, it, like as I said, uh, you know, every year, I, uh, you know, I just get more and more of this, you know, it was racist, it was homophobic. And I just, so I figured, uh, you know, I, we had a, a, an opportunity to do it. So I, I thought I'd take it. And, uh, you know, at least that, you know, my side of the story is out there. So. Looking back to another one of these looking back questions, um, you know, uh-huh. first of well, all, it happen, I, I love it did the, happen like 38 years ago. So you got to right, look back. Right. <laughs> I love the army helmet because I mean, it looks like you're, you're going into war and right. battle. I love that. I keep waiting to go. If you're looking for a car insurance, go to the general, save some time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so what, what is your favorite moment taking it away right. and looking back, taking, going through all of this, even afterwards, right. people talking to you and the stuff that happens to you afterwards. What's your favorite moment about all of this? Well, um, I guess my, well, first off, it was the first I'd, I'd moved. I was very successful in Detroit and I moved to Chicago and I'd been failing for a year, which is why the station switched from rock and roll to disco, which kind of that's sort of what predicated all of this. Um, so it so that night was really the first indication that I ha- ever had or that Gary Meyer and I had that we actually were, you know, popular. So that was I guess that was kind of my favorite part of it. And. Uh, but my favorite weird part of it was, uh, you know, here we have, we filled the stadium. We have like 70,000 people down there, you know, in and around the ballpark, all of them listeners, like the biggest radio promotion ever. And the guy who runs the station comes up to me in the, in the skybox and goes, and he's from Texas. He goes, 
whatever you do, be cool tomorrow. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? All right. Uh-huh. Be cool tomorrow. And I'm like, what does that mean? Because I don't want you to talk about this. And I'm like, are you kidding? How can I, this is, you know, and then, so I said, and so basically it was like, you talk about this, you're going to get fired for this. So that whole night I didn't sleep and I didn't know what to do because, you know, my whole show, my whole life has been me talking about what happens to me. And after the, right. this big, the biggest moment of my career, I'm supposed to go on the next day and not be true to my own principles. Um, but I did, I decided, I, I just, I went in there and it's on the front page of all the papers, the TV stations are all there. And I went in there and I, I, you know, I mean, I, uh, you know, I just gotten married. My, you know, I moved my wife to Chicago. I'd already lost one job. I want to start a family. What do I do? And it was kind of one of those forks in the road. And I started to, I started off being vague about it, not really talking about it for about 20 seconds. And I went, I I can swear, right? Yeah. I went, fuck it. You know, I'm going with what got me here. And so to me, I mean, it was a big, that was a big moment for, for me, you know, just coming on and talking about it and, and surviving it. And, you know, I mean, nowadays people would probably pay you extra because technically that was a, you know, that thing went viral, right? People are trying to figure out how to do that all the time now. But back in back in those days, that was not something that advertisers thought was cool. So yeah. uh, there was some financial pressure and you know pressure from advertisers, even though we had the ratings to uh, to back you know back away from it. Yeah, and and Steve, you know, so you, you, you're, you're fa- talking. So about- really, my favorite my favorite thing is being told to not talk about it. It's <laughs> <laughs> hysterical. Like really, you think I just went through all this to not talk about it? And Steve, you know really. You yeah. weren't even planning on this, man. You weren't planning on seeing all these people there. You know the Chicago White Sox sucked, man. They were terrible. They were lucky if they got 2,000 people in that park at that point in time. To see 70,000 people there, obviously half of them broke in. We all know that, that the paid attendance and the actual attendance is a huge yeah. discrepancy, man. We know, we know how many people broke into that place that night. So <laughs> you well, were not expecting that, man. Tell me, tell me how it went. Cause you, obviously, you're expecting like 2,000 people to show up. Maybe ten thousand if you're lucky, and that place just absolutely manned out. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, even with ten thousand people, it would have looked empty and like a failure. Yeah, and ten thousand people—that's yeah. a lot of people. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I kind of—I didn't really want to go. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I didn't want to do it in the first place, and then the whole afternoon I'm like dreading it. And then when we got right. down there, there wasn't anybody there yet because it was a double header. So I was thinking, yeah, this is exactly what I thought it was going to be. And then near the end of the first game, the place just started to fill up because it was go record and 98 cents because it was the Loop 98, FM 98, and you got in. And the place, I mean, it just started to fill up. Near near the end of the first game, Harry Carey starts talking about how many people are showing up. And, uh, of course, you know, (laughs) by the end of the first game, the place was packed. And they didn't even get to see the second game. Yeah. (laughs) No, but I – uh, yeah, the yeah the second game didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, thirty nine people arrested. I mean, what a night! It it did not affect the outcome of the uh, you know of the White Sox season, really. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, not at all, man. <laughs> One of my favorite. I love baseball. Days. I love baseball, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I never set out to to do that or to you know to to have a game uh, canceled or to trash a, a field. 
I mean, I have, you know, press credentials to go to the Sox, and I don't even like going in the locker room. I mean, I don't belong there, you know. So, so, you know, I guess that – that was that was a thing a little that was a difficult thing for me to reconcile a little bit too because I I mean I really love baseball so I don't want to be trash in baseball that wasn't my intent yeah. you know just some disco records. I just I just love the line in the book that says disco demolition might not have happened if the Sox were actually compelling to watch yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they were like so tell- it was the all star it was the all star break and they were like already like seventeen games out or something it was. Yeah. It's not great. Yeah. Miserable. So tell everybody like where they can year. find the book. Um, are, are, yeah, Just exactly. like this year. Tell everybody where they can find the book and keep in, keep on top of what's happening in, in your career and what you're doing. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, um, the book, you can get the book at Amazon. And if you go to doll.com, um, you can uh, pretty much keep track of what I'm doing. I, we have a face, I have a Steve doll Facebook uh, fan page. And my uh, my Twitter, if you want to hit me up on Twitter, is at Steve Dahl Show. And my last name is spelled uh, D-A-H-L, like Delta Alpha Hotel Lima. you got a bunch of followers, man. Nice job. See your Twitter feed. That's pretty yeah. nice. I'm hanging in there. <laughs> nice, man. Very good. <laughs> that's all you can do. And- hang in there. All right, that- that's it, man. Yeah, before I let you go, <laughs> how do you think that this event actually impacted yeah. the other marketing events and promotion events that have been done throughout yeah, the years after that? Uh, yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, it, it was just it was an <laughs> odd time because it it you know back in those days there were two rock and there were two rock stations in town, two FM rock stations. That's it, and and three television networks. And maybe two local UHF channels, you know. Yeah. Um, yep. So uh, it was. It was just so you, you had the ability to just, you know, influence more people, um, and and you just by default, uh, you know, more attention was paid to you. Uh, as far as radio promotions go, I I don't I don't know. Uh, I, I, it, it was just one of those things where it, 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 no one ever intended it to be that that big or that successful. So <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if other people have tried to uh, to do anything along those lines. But um, but you know I I know I've never been asked back to any stadiums to do anything. So, <laughs> but but in, in terms of promotions, I, I'm I, I I wish I had a better answer for you. But I, and that's a it's a really good question. I'm not so sure, you know, what impact it had on 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 that kind of stuff, because I, you know, I was pretty caught up in the impact it was having on me. So, no doubt, man. Could you imagine if it happened but today? That's a, I mean, that's, a, that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable question and an excellent question, and I'm I'm gonna yeah. maybe try to find out the answer to that myself. <laughs> that's pretty good, man. No, I, obviously, we're talking about a day and age where it was cable. And landlines, man, and that's all it was. Imagine if all that stuff actually happened today. Like, what, yeah, what a difference bro, it would make. No, bro, Imagine the bro, social there, impact. Bro, yeah. bro, 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 bro. No cable. <laughs> there was no cable. In 79? Yeah, there was. Not not around here there wasn't. Yeah, well, in New York there was, my friend. <laughs> I remember having cable well, actually, in 1979. you know what? You're right. I had that box. I had the box yep. that was connected to the TV with 50 buttons on yep. it. You're right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, man. All right. Right on. But, but 
Steve, we're, we're showing our age now, man. That's not, that's not good, Steve. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're showing our age now, man. We're giving away. All right. Well, I'm 61. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I, we don't be alive. <laughs> Steve, we can't thank you enough for taking the time. Yeah, we can't take, thank you enough for taking the time to come hang out with us, man. I loved having you on the show this week, man. You totally made my day. This was just oh, great well, stuff, Steve. I mean, thanks, you guys. I, I appreciate you having me on, and I'm happy to come on anytime, uh, anytime you need me for anything, whatever. I'm happy to do it. Yeah, yeah you, have, you, have, you obviously have the voice for it and the personality and the podcast and all that stuff. So, yeah, we'll, be, we'll, we'll get in touch with you, man. Thank, again, though, thank you so much for hanging out with us, Steve. We really appreciate it. Yeah, good luck with all of this, man. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks to both of you, and good luck to you guys, too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Awesome. <laughs> it's just a blast to think of what, what actually went down that day. And to see some of the, the ESPN video, they have a nine-minute video on this. And yeah, like I mentioned, Jimmy Parasol was losing his mind on the air. I mean, it was a lot. Yeah, I, I love the one guy who was on the air. He goes, you know, I'm pretty sure I saw a couple people having sex behind third base and all that. Like, <laughs> It is, it is. And as much as there is that few minutes uh, on on YouTube where you can check out some actual video, which I always think is kind of cool, what I like about Steve's book is that there are a bunch, a lot of photos of the event. And then what I also like... His army outfit. Yeah, and and he has interviews, like I said, with everybody from Dennis DeYoung to the to the lady that sang the Star Spangled Banner yeah. to Casey in yeah, Sunshine Band, Casey in Sunshine Band, Harry Casey, and yeah, uh, yeah so it, it's not just his story, but it's intertwined yeah. with stories of people who were there and remember it, and remember it as well as the other players, because um, one of the you know the visiting team is sitting in the dugout yeah. holding their bat. And yeah, and one of the guys says this to the to the player, "What are you going to do with those? You use them if anybody comes into the dugout, you know." Yeah. So it's and um, they did actually. So yeah, I mean they didn't end up using the bats, but uh, the, the fans ended, ended up invading the dugouts. Yeah. Everything, everything. I can't imagine. And, and you know, as fun as it was, and as funny as it was, and as much as we joke about it a lot. It, it's pretty, it could have been pretty scary. I yeah. mean, the fires, the, all the people the out of control. Nowadays in the stadium, stuff like that probably wouldn't happen. Like you said, you know, security would be all over yeah. the guys. Yeah. Back then, you could walk into places and you could, yeah. you know, there wasn't security like there is yeah. today. So that could have been a lot worse. You never 39 been... people arrested really wasn't bad for how many yeah. tens of thousands or how many yeah. thousands of so people that were there. People, yeah. You know? yeah, you haven't got a chance to talk about the outfield or who. Come on, you got to bring it up. You bring it up. Uh, I'll bring it up. You know, in the book, you're talking about the outfielder uh, for the Cubs. I think it was who's standing around and uh, flying discos flying by his head. He goes, "Oh my god, I almost got killed by the village people tonight." But, yeah, yeah, because literally, he did the the album that went by his head, the record that went by his head, the village people record that got the stuck in the ground. So it flew by his head, he gets stuck in the ground, he's like, I almost got killed by the village people. And it's scary. It's scary stuff. So, you know, I want to thank Steve for coming by. And like I said, it's scary if we talk about it. It is also funny. It is also an entertaining story in in baseball history. And we wish Steve the best of luck in promoting this book. Um, You know, if you get a chance, please check it out. (laughs) And if you were there, if you're listening to us and you're like, I remember that, I was in the stands. Reach out to us. We'd love to have you on the show and talk to you about your experiences there. And, uh, you know, so that's 
kind of like it for us yeah. today. We have we decided to just kind of focus our attention on this book today, and Steve. on Steve, and he got all our attention today. And <laughs> yeah, we're. Um, I love it. <laughs> I love that. I love the book. I love having them on that. <laughs> yeah. And what I didn't say early on, what I what I usually do is, if you guys are following us for the first time, um, or if you want to check us out, we're at radio.sportspalooza.com. Yeah. Please follow EJ at EJ the Rainmaker yeah. on Twitter. Yeah. Follow me at Gal Sports Writer. Sure. You could also follow Virgin Traveler on Twitter mm-hmm. as well. That is also me. And then, of course, we have our Palooza Radio on Twitter as well. And if you like us, please give us a shout-out. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please leave us a review. It actually does help us get more listeners. Um, so if you like us and, you know, you have something to say, good, bad, ugly, we're more than willing to listen to it. And, you know, please just, uh, you know, keep letting people know about our show. Yeah. And we'll be back next Thursday and with more guests. Yeah, I just wanted to apologize for everybody for the language around here today. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, this, this is not our normal. <laughs> no, it's normal stuff. not our normal we, stuff. We, I don't, we have never know. mentioned the F word on the air ever. Right. ever. And that's not something where where we do. We do try here. to be kid and be yeah, friends. yeah, we have fun. I, you know, I, obviously, it, like I, the only reason we did that was because it's in the book a lot, and he just said it, and there I am standing there in my effing. Army. Well, you already uh, said it at this point. Yeah, no, I'm, I don't yeah. want to say it again because you know, I mean, yes, you know, what, I, you know. I, it's okay. It's yeah. cool. I mean, we it's just want to apologize. It's just part of the book. It was part of what went on in the book, and that was really why I did it. So, I, you know, I just hope everyone's kind of okay with it. You weren't thrown off by. It. What are EJ and Lisa doing, cursing up a storm over there? Like, yeah. nah, we don't normally do that. We were just having public too. So I just, so like, again, I just hope we didn't offend anybody today. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure our listeners yeah. are cool. I apologize. Oh, absolutely. And, again, please tune back into us next week on Thursday at 1 o'clock. Yeah. We'll be here Eastern time. And um, in the meantime, we hope everybody has a great day yeah, and a great, great weekend. weekend. And go